Welcome to Living With, a podcast by Health Union that explores what it's like to live with a chronic health condition. Health Union integrates the power of human connection and technology, uniting people in the shared experiences of life with chronic health conditions. I'm Emily Downward. Endometriosis is a chronic condition in which the lining of the uterus, which normally grows and is shed during a woman's menstrual cycle, grows outside of the uterus and causes pain and damage to the organs in the abdomen. Women with severe endometriosis can experience crippling pain, excessive bleeding, pain during intercourse, and fatigue. Fela Dunphy has been living with endometriosis since her periods began as a child. She now uses her experiences and her delightful forthrightness to help other women as a contributor on endometriosis.net. I spoke to Fela about her experiences with endometriosis, and in this interview, she also mentions adenomyosis, which is a condition where the endometrial tissue grows abnormally into the muscle tissue of the uterus. What led up to your diagnosis? Well, you know, I was very similar to most women's stories. I had excruciating periods since they started. Um, But because everyone told me they were normal, it wasn't until probably five months before my first surgery, I started noticing that my periods, which usually were already very bad since I was about, I want to say 11 or 12, I noticed that my symptoms just felt different. Um, I had symptoms that felt like bowel related, which obviously was something I'd never experienced before. I was vomiting during my periods and I was noticing that I truly had cramps all the time. So it wasn't just on my period and that I was not used to. And I just had that gut feeling that this wasn't normal anymore. Was it difficult to get the diagnosis? You know, I was really lucky in that way. I think that if I had maybe been concerned years before, it would have taken longer. But I went to the emergency room, and because they found cysts on my ovaries, they noticed in the scan that I had an endometrioma, which is... uh, (laughs) I'm always a little... I'm so bad. You would think I'd be like an expert on these things. It's, it's a sign that you most likely have endometriosis um, because I think it's like an endometriosis cyst. So it's one of those things where it's like if you have it, obviously it's not a way to get diagnosed, but it was a pretty big sign. Um, and the guy at the emergency room just handed me a pamphlet on endometriosis and like sent me on my way. And I honestly didn't even think anything serious was happening. I was like, oh, okay, this is just a thing I have. Um, And then from there, I found an OBGYN who did diagnostic surgery. So I had that like a month later. And how old were you at the time? I was 23. Wow. And Mm -hmm. then I read from your articles, you had a hysterectomy at age 24. I did. Yeah. So I'd already had so many very invasive surgeries before that because when they initially went in, there were just so many issues that they needed to address. And I hadn't found a surgeon that could address all of them. So I ended up having all these different surgeries, which I really wish I hadn't. And then I had been, they suspected adenomyosis. um, And so 
I had the hysterectomy because I was having excision surgery during the same surgery. Um, and I thought, okay, excision is going to help the endometriosis. And if I remove the uterus, it'll actually cure the adenomyosis. So I felt it would be the most successful surgery for my specific case. But how did you cope with that emotionally as well as physically? Well, I think physically for me was actually more challenging. I, I know that every woman is so different, even if they're just considering it or if they go decide to have it. Um, but for me, it was I had just gone through so much. And this was my first time seeing one of the top endometriosis surgeons. So in my mind, it was like, I'm going to go into thousands of dollars of debt. I'm traveling to have this huge surgery. Why not do everything I can so I never have to do this again? Um, so it was like I was at my wit's end. And I felt like I had this one chance to get the relief as much as I could. I mean, I didn't know at that point how much it would do, but I just felt like I had this one opportunity. And I think that for me, that helps me mentally. And I know that it might not help everyone. Um, but for me, yeah, it just, I knew it was what I had to do. Um, and yeah. Some people believe that having a hysterectomy and completely removing the uterus and the endometrium can cure endometriosis. Was that your experience? No. So my endometriosis has not grown back since that surgery. So I'm like two and a half years in remission for endometriosis, which is amazing. I don't personally believe that is from removing the uterus. Um, I believe that is because they cut out so much endometriosis and they basically like reconstructed my reproductive system. Um, I had just gotten all the work done that I needed by such a skilled surgeon um, and so I feel really good pelvic wise, um, in comparison, but again, yeah, I would not suggest a woman to just have a hysterectomy for endometriosis. And can you describe or explain what diaphragmatic or thoracic endometriosis is? So that is when endometriosis is found on the diaphragm and in other cases it can actually be found on the lungs. Um, as far as diaphragm endometriosis, it's usually only on the right side and it can be a little tricky because if it's on the bottom half of your diaphragm, they can find it through an abdominal laparoscopic surgery, but they can't see the top half of the diaphragm. So that is what I struggled with because it was actually only my second surgery that it was removed off the bottom half of my diaphragm. But after that surgery, I was still having trouble breathing. I would have these really intense like chest flares uh, where it really just felt like a knife in my chest. Um, you could just, you know, feel that something was wrong. Um, and so that's why I had to have the thoracic surgery, which I also had during my hysterectomy. So it really was like four or five surgeries in one. Like even on my discharge sheet, it says they did 11 different procedures in one surgery. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just wild. Um, but yeah, so they excised a small amount um, on the top part of my diaphragm, but it was super, super tiny. So it's really crazy that because that muscle is so thin, um, it really only takes like the smallest amount, which is why seeing a specialist 
is so important for that form of endometriosis. So what is your daily life like now? Well, um, I, when it comes to endometriosis, I really feel like I, or I know that I do not have endometriosis pain. The only pain I have now is I do have pelvic floor issues, you know, kind of a given. So I still go to pelvic floor therapy once a week. I do a lot of exercises. I have a lot of pain during the therapy, which is obviously to be expected. Um, but I don't really flare afterwards. Um, I don't have daily pelvic pain. Um, sometimes I'll get an ovarian cysts because I did choose to keep my ovaries. Obviously, that can be very painful, but it's bizarre now because whenever I do have any form of pelvic pain or a flare-up of any kind, it goes away, which is something I did not experience for years. And most women with endometriosis do not experience either. So I think that would be the biggest improvement. And do you think it goes away because of the therapy you've been doing? Or do you know? I think that I think that 80% of my pain is gone because I don't have the disease itself uh, within my body anymore. And then I would say the rest of it um, has improved from pelvic floor therapy. Um, which I think is a really important treatment, especially after a surgery like that, because that's just going to add more trauma to your pelvic floor. Yeah. So. And you've, yeah. ri you've written about that you also have been diagnosed with fibromyalgia. Yes, I have. That was not too long after my hysterectomy. And those symptoms have dramatically improved, which is great. Um, I think in general, I suffer from a lot of other issues because I was in so much pain for so many years and my body, I really hardly moved during that period of time. So I have a lot of like spine issues and back pain. Um, so I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia, but I've been in physical therapy for other body pains and I think that that helps a lot and I'm learning that it's almost like I developed fibromyalgia because endometriosis just put so much strain on my body um, for so many years. I mean, I really was confined to my bed for a very long time. Very, very long time. You wrote an article for endometriosis.net about confronting pregnancy, baby showers, and conversations about starting a family after you've had a hysterectomy. How do you deal with that? So even though, you know, I mentioned before that my, you know, emotional issues with a hysterectomy weren't as strong as the physical, I think what I noticed the most post-hysterectomy is just feeling left out. I think that is a complete normal. I don't think that you necessarily have to want a baby to feel that sadness of being like, oh, wait, I can't do that. And all of you can um, so losing that option can make you feel very isolated. Um, even not having periods sometimes I'm like, oh my God, I feel like I'm not connected anymore, which is not true. Um, but yeah, so obviously as I get older, you know, the thought of friends having children or seeing pregnant women and just knowing that you'll never experience that is really hard. And so... I'm still learning how to 
deal with that. And in my mind, I'm like, oh my God, this is just going to get worse because I don't even have that many pregnant women around me in my life currently, you know, but I'll notice I do, you know, I'll get like ads for like pregnancy stuff, like on Instagram or something. And I'm constantly like hiding the ads. I'm like, this is so unnecessary. Um, so it's stuff like that, you know, and I do or have gotten friends that say stuff or they'll just, they just don't know what to say. And I think for that, I just have to learn to let it go. Um, so I think that's a big thing is you kind of have to understand that no one's going to know what to say because it is an uncomfortable topic. It is a sensitive topic and people you love will hurt your feelings sometimes. I think that's just the way it goes with something like that. I also have to put myself in their shoes and think, what if I had never experienced any of this? You know, would I know what to say? Probably not. Like, we're only human. There's other issues people deal with that I don't even know sometimes how to comfort them. Um, So that's why I guess I have to mention that the community is so great. I feel like the year I had my hysterectomy, like five of my endo friends also had hysterectomies for similar reasons. And that community was so important because we could make jokes about things other people would say (laughs) hopefully that doesn't offend anyone but like you know just find like laughter in it and then also serious conversations of just like I'm tired of people posting about their babies or something like that um you know I think that really helps to know that you have women to talk to yeah it, it helps so much to have other people who really understand yeah totally so can we talk about sex yeah because I understand many women with endometriosis experience pain with sexual pleasure. And you've written yes. some really great articles on your experience. Yes. So um, am I allowed to say any words? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Meaning like, is you know, like inappropriate words. Um, I haven't thought this through. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I, I know. I think I can say it. So or I think I know a way to say it that's appropriate. But um, one of the symptoms that I noticed probably six months before um, I got a diagnosis, one of those like really weird, like I knew something was wrong, is after sex, I would have excruciating pelvic pain. And I remember even saying out loud, like, God, why does my pelvis hurt so bad? And I never made any sort of connection, you know, obviously at that point. Um, and now I don't have that pain afterwards. Usually, I mean, if I had like a sister and I was like, let's try it, you know, like I'm sure I would flare up. Um, but I would say women with endometriosis and pain with sex, for me, I feel that it's mostly your pelvic floor. I mean, when you think of, you know, you picture that act, it's your pelvic floor that is right there. Um, those muscles, if they're worn out and they're, doing an activity like that it's almost like expected that you would have excruciating pain um so I think working with a pelvic floor therapist has been really helpful because we go in depth and just like learn about how your body works what your triggers are and it's kind of validating to know why something would hurt when you're doing specific things and kind of learning how to get back to not having so much pain because it's really really a horrible Women should not experience pain in something that's supposed to make them feel good. It's just awful. Agreed. You've also mentioned yeah. that you use heat and suppositories. That those yeah, so, yeah, I think that there's a lot of stuff I actually also haven't tried. Um, so I think that 
obviously heat is great. Kind of preparing to be like, you know what, after sex, I might need to just relax and heat myself and not go out later. It's just kind of like adjusting to that, I think is, you know, like communicating with your partner, like this is why I have pain and I don't feel good right now, you know, and just finding a partner that's understanding of that, you know, and also like CBD suppositories or oils or dilators are something that you use through physical therapist um, and you can also use at home and I think those are really helpful because it's something you're actually inserting and training your muscles to relax and working literally through the pain so it's painful but I feel like it's a really great direct way to address the exact issue um, and help with like the tightness pain um just stiffness from holding so much tension in one spot for so many years. You mentioned um, communication with your partner. I was going to ask you about mm-hmm. that. Do you have any tips for how to bring this up? Well, I'm just a very forward person. Um, I'm pretty sure I told my now boyfriend that I didn't have a uterus on like our second date. <laughs> <laughs> he probably like didn't even make the connection. He was just like, oh, okay, that's fine. Um <laughs> So I've always been really open. Obviously, no one has to say that on a second date. I actually wouldn't even advise that. But um, I think a lot of it is just educating them. You know, a lot of men aren't even really informed on, like, what happens when a woman has a period. Mm -hmm. So really just explaining to them. Sometimes you have to explain a few times because it is complicated. You know, it even confuses me sometimes. And being vocal about, because I have this pain, you know, this position is just off limits, but this position works really well, you know, and just kind of like letting them know what you like, what makes you feel good, um, telling them about like your progress, just, I think just telling them everything I just think is, is really helpful because I think with anything in a relationship, it's good to just put it all out there in the open. I, so. I agree, but it can be, it can be difficult sometimes if you're, if you're still not comfortable talking about it yourself to then share with your partner. Yeah. Especially early on, you know, I mean, you usually get physical before it's like this big commitment to each other, you know, so you're already like learning about each other in that way. Um, and you really don't know what to expect and it can be kind of disappointing if someone reacts in a way that doesn't make you feel good. Cause it, honestly can be a big deal breaker I mean you need someone who has like patience and compassion and just very understanding even things that aren't sex related like not being able to go out and like canceling plans last minute and um venting about stressful situations with doctor I mean there really is so many different levels of things you need to communicate about so um that's why I think I bring it up early on just because I'm like, all right, I'm testing the waters. <laughs> like, can you handle that? This is a giant part of my life. Um, and if they can, it's definitely worth, <laughs> you know, continuing that. So, and if not, it's yeah. good, better to know early, right? Exactly. Yeah. And then emotions get involved and you know, it's messy. So, yeah. So why do you think it's important for women with endometriosis to have an online community? I think it's important because I truly believe most women would be completely lost without the community because there is zero education or awareness 
about what this disease even is. It took me weeks to even be able to pronounce endometriosis. Um, I literally had no idea what it was. And I remember I went on Instagram and I searched the hashtag and my life literally changed. Within days or even within the first day, I knew that you needed a surgery to diagnose it, that other women are in excruciating pain. Other women are going to the emergency room. Um, other women have tried this medication, like all these different things. And before I knew it, I had dozens of friends. So I would be up late at night and I could ask suggestions and I could vent to someone and I could comfort someone and I could just build bonds because it's insanely isolating to have a disease that is already so hard to communicate with the medical community. So when it's already such a mystery without, yeah, without a community, you really wouldn't know even how to get help. I mean, to be honest, when you Google endometriosis, maybe it's changed in the past few years, but when I Googled it compared to when I reached out to women, it was like night and day. So that's, that's huge. And that's not okay, obviously. So well, hopefully we're changing things with I know. Yeah, no, I have definitely seen a change. I would be I'd be nowhere without the community. And even though I'm feeling better, um, I'm still like great friends with so many. I mean, it is crazy how many women check in with me still and that I check in with and we followed our lives, each other's lives for years now. And it's just it's really special. It is really special. I am glad you're feeling better, but you still are experiencing some side effects, right, from all the treatments and the and the pelvic floor discomfort. So I, I think it's wonderful that you're sharing your experiences and your story on endometriosis.net and, and here with me today. So thank you. Oh, thank you. I'm really, I love, I love sharing. <laughs> it's something that... Um, I feel like I've done since I was diagnosed. Um, I've kind of, I feel like, I think I started a blog like a month later. I don't even remember the name of it, but I definitely have been writing about it for so many years. And I just, because as I said about the community, I appreciated all these women that I was learning from when I joined the community. And I instantly was like, I want to do that too, you know? So the fact that I can still do that after experiencing so much, um, I feel like that's just, it's important to do. In addition to Instagram, which Fela mentioned, you can find our endometriosis community on Facebook, Twitter, and at endometriosis.net. For additional health communities, visit health-union.com. Thank you for listening to Living With. I'm Emily Downward.